0: We have a special privilege to um, have a friend from Africa Inland Mission, Sipang Basupi. Did I get your, 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 your name right? All right. Come on up. Um, he is visiting the United States. And this is your first, first trip here to the US. Yep. Um, but has served alongside of Lauren Fast with Africa Inland Mission, who many of you may know and remember in his visits here to JCC in the past. Um, He's overseeing the, the southern region of africa he's going yeah. to share a bit about that work but also bring god's word to us this morning so can i pray for you as yeah. you bring the word to yes. us thank you yeah lord jesus we thank you for our brother sipang lord we thank you for uh, his passion for the gospel we thank you that you have made him one uh, to equip and to call um, and to go alongside um, those who bring your word um, to your people um, especially Across the nations of Southern Africa, and may, may the, the testimony of your work in, in those places, um, may the power of your word um, speak through him this morning. Lord and may it challenge us uh, to follow you where you're calling us as disciples. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: Good morning, church. It's such a lovely morning to be here with you, and uh, a beautiful privilege to be able to to join you here and be able to share the word of God with you. Um, I was told this church was founded in 1791. I was saying to to the pastor this morning that 1791, the gospel had not come to my country, Botswana. Uh, The gospel only came to my country around 1835. So this congregation was founded long, long before the gospel came to my people. And uh, so... Just to put that into perspective, you are such a a huge encouragement to be able to see that since 1791 till today, you are still worshiping Jesus and Jesus is still being worshiped and preached from this place. That's a beautiful thing. And uh, like Pastor Dave said, I'm Tepang. I'm from a beautiful country in Southern Africa called Botswana. Um, It's very beautiful. Very beautiful. But everywhere I go, people say, the only thing we know about Botswana is the number one ladies detective book series. <laughs> I wish you we were known for something more than that. But it's a beautiful book series, and uh, hopefully it will lead you to go there. And I'm married to queen, uh, so I tell people I'll never be king because I'm married to a queen. <laughs> and I've, I've made peace with that. We have two kids, a six year old daughter, her name is Tabi, and a two year old boy whose name is Tutu. Uh, he calls himself Tutu. His name is in Tungamil, it's a long sentence. So, but when, 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 when you ask him his name, he says Tutu. So that's, that's, that kind of uh, sticked around, and that became his name. And I serve with Africa Inland Mission, uh, leading the AIM's work in Southern Africa. We work in about six countries in Southern Africa, doing three main things. Uh, church planting amongst the unreached people groups uh, that are there. At the end of my sermon, there'll be a short video clip that just speaks a bit about what the ministry that we are doing. And then uh, we're also involved in theological education, training uh, leaders from the African church because we firmly believe that if the church is going to stay strong, as far as this church has stayed, we need to be thorough in our theological education. So we are hoping that many more will be equipped all across Southern Africa to be able to go, uh, to be able to thoroughly divide the word of truth and preach the word of God, you know, with a thorough understanding theologically. The third thing that we are involved in is basically African mobilization. So for many years, the gospel came from places like the U.S. and the U.K., and uh, it came from the West to the rest of the world. But the churches and places like Africa is growing. There are 185 million evangelicals in Africa today, but even though there are 185 million evangelicals in Africa, we have sent less than 50,000 missionaries, and we said that is an error that needs to be corrected, and so we go to many African churches, and what we are doing is speaking to fellow Africans like myself and say, we have no excuse to not be involved in the Great Commission. We also have a responsibility. God has called us as well as a church in Africa to go and make disciples of all nations. So that's what we are doing, and it's such a privilege to be able to serve in that region. We have about 126 missionaries that I am working with, that I'm supervising, and I get to have the privilege of visiting them in their ministry context and just see the beautiful things that the Lord is doing through them, and just seeing the power of obedience that when people obey, the Lord works. And it's just beautiful to watch. But this morning, we're going to look at the Bible and, uh, and look at the cost of following Jesus. And we're going to read from the book of Luke chapter nine, and I'll read the last four verses or so, or five verses from verse 57 to 62. Here we see a story of men that were called by Jesus to go And follow him. And each of them had excuses, like many around the world. But I'm hoping that the Lord will use the scripture to speak to us. I'll read the scripture, and then we'll pray, then we'll jump into the word. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head." for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Precious Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together this morning. And we pray that Lord, even as I share your word this morning, you will speak to us. That you will speak to us individually and make your truth known to us. And uh, help us to be able to obey your word. So that this will not just be yet another word. But may this word lead us to obedience, may it lead us to a place of absolute surrender to your will for our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. This man come to Jesus and they are called to basically follow him. And each of them has some reason why they would not obey immediately, right? And we realize from this scripture that following Jesus comes at a cost. Following Jesus comes at a cost. In other parts of the world, following Jesus has cost people their livelihoods. It has cost people their lives. It has cost people many, many different things. And to some, following Jesus made them poor, But the greatest hindrance in the life of a believer to being a disciple of Jesus Christ is a guy called self. So Jesus says to his disciples, if you read a bit earlier in Luke nine twenty three, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. But often the first place where we stumble And don't make it into the process of discipleship is because of this guy called Mr. Self. So much concern for ourselves. But before we look at these three guys and their responses, I just want us to to look at this guy called Mr. Self. You know, Jesus calls us to forget ourselves, to deny ourselves. How do I deny myself? It basically means to reject, to refuse, to forsake, to deprive, to forget ourselves. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. To put aside, to renounce, to to leave behind, to disregard. But we live in a society that says we need to take ourselves seriously. Right? We need to, but Jesus said, forfeit it, let go of it, cast away But Jesus comes in and says to us, "Deny yourself." <laughs> That's countercultural. It goes against everything that we are raised to believe in, right? But Jesus doesn't ask us to do something that He Himself has not done. Philippians chapter two, verses six to seven says, "Jesus, who being in His very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. What did He do?" He made himself nothing. Jesus became nothing, and through his nothingness, we got to know him, and we got to be saved, and we got to have this privilege of worshiping him like this this morning. Jesus was the it, yet he let go of that voluntarily so that uh, we can come to the salvation. But now, let's look at these three guys. Jesus calls them to forget themselves, right? Before he gets to this, he says, forget about yourself, deny yourself daily, and follow me. Let's look at the first guy. I want to call him Mr. Quick-Quick. Verses 57, 58, he says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever to go. He was quick to make a commitment, right? That's why I say he's Mr. Quick-Quick. Yeah, I'll follow you wherever you go. It's like Peter. When you read the gospel, you see how Peter was always making quick commitments. But Jesus' response was a bit sobering. He says, foxes have danced and a birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So Jesus' answer was challenging this man to think thoroughly about his commitment. He was basically asking him, you know, he says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So he was asking this guy, are you willing to leave your comfort, the comfort of your own life? Are you willing to live without the material comforts of a, of a nice warm home? Imagine being homeless in December here. I can only imagine. (laughs) Are you willing to sacrifice the security of a home to follow me? That's what Jesus was asking this man. He says, are you willing to let go and forgo the legitimate comforts of life to follow me? So, the Bible does not record the man's response. But here's a question for us. What will be our response? So the call to follow Jesus is not a call to comfort and convenience. It is a call to sacrifice. So are we willing to sacrifice it all for the one who has called us? When I was 21 years old, I was a university student. I had a dream. I was just going to become a professor of political science. And I was doing my first degree in political science. And I also had a dream of running for political office one day. As a 21-year-old, I got to encounter the truth and the reality of 40% of the world that are dying without having the opportunity to hear that Christ died for them. I was confronted with the fact that there are people that are living and dying without hearing that Christ died for them at the cross. That there are people all across the world who are living without the hope that i found. And I felt the Lord was challenging me to surrender my own dreams and pick up his own dream of making disciples of all these people that Christ died for. It was difficult for my 21-year-old mind to understand it. I, I was raised in a place where poverty was real. And the only way out of poverty was to get in that education and living and getting a good job. And I was on a path to move out of poverty. And the Lord said, surrender that your dream and come follow me. I knelt down and I prayed, I said, Lord, I I surrender this little dream of mine and I'll follow you. Twelve years later, I still stumble across that. Sometimes I want to obey, sometimes it's easier to obey, sometimes it's difficult to obey. Sometimes the temptations are more to let go and forget all about it. But what if God is calling you this morning to leave and go to the Middle East? or to Africa, to take the gospel to those people, are we willing to leave the comfort of our homes here? Wait a minute, are we willing to leave without tasting maple syrup again? (laughs) That's a scary thought, right? (laughs) But are we willing to leave the comforts of a well-functioning country, great infrastructure, to go to a place where there isn't much comfort, where there is disorganization, where things are all over the place for the sake of Him who loved us and died for us at the cross of Calvary. In Revelation 5 verse 9, the Bible says that, with his blood, he purchased for God. People from every nation. But some of the people that Christ purchases with his blood, they don't know that he did. And they're still living in terrible spaces. They're still living in, in the bondage of the enemy. But me and you can go and make a difference to those people. What is God calling you to do this morning? I don't know. I pray he will speak to you. Let's look at the second man in this scripture. Let's call him Mr. Let's Slow Down. Mr. Let's Slow Down. You'll understand why he's called Mr. Slow Down. Verse 59 says, and he said to another man, follow me. So the first man volunteered, the second man, Jesus goes to him and says, follow me. But he replied, Lord, First, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus calls this man to follow him. But look at what this man does. He puts his own interests before the claims of Christ. He said, look, uh, it's important for me to go bury my father. After I do that, then maybe I will follow you. Lord, you know I have, a mortgage, I have a bond to finish paying. You understand that, right? So let me finish that. Lord, my, my children need to finish high school first before I go. Let me finish that. Is that a legitimate response? Lord, my mother is 75. She just has 10 more years to go. Lord, let me just wait until she she goes home before I obey you. Matthew Henry says, here is another that seems resolved to follow Christ, but he begs a short delay. To this man, Christ first gave the call. He said to him, follow me. Religion teaches us to be kind and good to show pity at home, to to requite our parents, but we must not make this an excuse for neglecting our duty to God. As legitimate as my excuses were, I needed to obey the Lord. I was sharing with Frank yesterday that when I first went to my mother and told my mother, many parts of the world where I come from As children, when you grow up, you are the retirement package, right? You finish university, you take care of your parents. I went and I told mom, mom, I have decided that I am going to be a missionary. And uh, by the way, they'll not pay me a salary. My mother wept. And she said words that I'll probably never forget. God hates me. She did not see the goodness of God who was denying her the opportunity to finally have a little bit of comfort when her son works and has a proper job. And I loved my mom, and I still do. So is my sense of commitment and desire to see her well, should that supersede my obedience to the Lord? Should I rather... Take care of my parents because it's a good thing to do. And the Bible actually commands us to take care of our people. What should I do? So what we learn from this man is that legitimate coutesies of life become positively sinful when they take priority over the interest of God. Right? The man put his own family interests before those of the Lord. He said, Lord, me first. Lord, my family first. His hindrance is that he put self first. So what is God calling us to do? Someone once said, Christ is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Is he Lord of all over my life, over your life? Over your family. Over your resources. Is he Lord of all? All those resources now. No, Lord, you are Lord when it's comfortable. But today I am in charge. Is he Lord of all? And then the last guy, let's call him... Mr. In just a minute. Lord, yeah, yeah, I hear you, but just a minute. Okay, let me just do one more thing before we, before I go. Verse 61 says, still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Well, is that a bad thing? Jesus replied, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. Is fit." for savers in the kingdom of God. Interestingly, this man is just like the two first men that we just highlighted. He volunteered to follow, and then he, just, he also excused himself uh, for a bit. He says, me first, let me just attend to this, my desire to say bye-bye to my people before I go. It seems that there was some attachment to family that this man Felt so strongly about, and it seems to supersede his obedience to the Lord. Christ is not calling us to be self-centered or to be concerned about ourselves, He's calling us to a place of you know having Him be the one in charge. So Christ is looking for those that are willing to renounce home ties who will not be distracted by sentimental attachment to things of this world, to family. Family is great and is wonderful, but he wants those who put him above everything else in their lives. So he's Christ above all. And just like all the other men before him, we don't hear anything about this man again. So there's a cost to following Jesus, but how much are we willing to give up for the sake of him who died for us? How far is too far when it comes to following the Lord? Say yes, Lord, I'm really happy to share the gospel here in Jericho, that's great, but when you ask me to cross the street, we are going a bit too far, all right? Yeah, it's great, Lord, when I, when I can give $20 here and there to support your causes. but when you ask me now to let go of my life and pack my bags and go to Africa, that's a bit too much, Lord. But what is God calling us to do? Will we obey him? Are we willing to forsake all for him? Jim Eliot said he's not a fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What a blessing it is to be able to, to be part of what God is calling. God will not call all of us to be missionaries, right? But what is God calling you to do this morning? What is God calling us to surrender at his feet at this point? Today, there are 3.25 billion people in the world who still have no access to the gospel. 370 million of those are in Africa. 85% of these men and women have never met a Christian. Some will live and they will die without ever hearing that Christ died for them. Brothers and sisters, I, I think that is not right and as a congregation, and as individuals, as families, we have a role to play to ensure that that narrative changes, that these people get an opportunity to hear the gospel for the first time. Would you pray and ask the Lord how you and your family may be involved in taking the gospel to Africa? Talk about Africa because I'm from there. 370 million of my fellow African people have no access to the gospel. There's no one sharing the gospel with them. And many of them will die without hearing that Jesus died for us. Since 1791, this church has been preaching in this community, but those people are still waiting to hear that 2,000 years ago, plus Jesus died for them. And brothers and sisters, when those men and women die, they are not going to to, to hell for a second. They are going to a Christless eternity. They are not going there for for a holiday or a vacation. They are going there for eternity without hope. And God calls each and every one of us to be a part of that. And God has called me and my family to be a part of that. And uh, for the past 11 years, 12 years, we have been trying to play a role in ensuring that the gospel goes to those people. So here are ways you can, you can be involved. You can go. And God may be calling you. Some of you just to go. Come to Africa for, for a week. Two weeks. Come and see what the Lord is doing there. We can give our finances. God has blessed us, perhaps. Even if he has not blessed us so much, if we cut on one thing, it could be cutting uh, too much sugar from the sodas we take in, right? If you cut on Dr. Pepper once a month, that $2 will make a difference in the mission field, right? And the greatest of all, we can pray. Would you devote, would you take time to spend time in prayer and praying that the Lord will send forth more laborers? And praying that as we in the mission field share the gospel, we will see the hand of God at work and we'll see many more people coming to know him. Would you pray for us? But I also want to ask you, the reason I'm in the U.S. right now is because our finances are very low. We are raising finances for our family to continue doing our ministry. Would you prayerfully consider joining me and my family in taking the gospel to Southern Africa? The Comoros Islands, almost 98% Muslim, and many other places, Northern Mozambique, many unreached people groups in that place. Our dream is to see many Africans. Over the next three years, I want to see 100 African believers joining our teams in Southern Africa in taking the gospel to those places. But for us to do that, we need your financial support, and we need your prayers. Would you prayerfully consider this? Uh, in a minute, I'll play a video just introducing a bit of what we are doing. And if the Lord leads you to give, I'll be there to chat with you. And Marcus has a few cards with details on how you can be a part of this journey with us. Thank you very much. The Lord bless you.
2: Hi, my name is Tabi. This is my brother, Dunga. Then say hi. (laughs) This is my mom Queen. Hello. And this is my dad, Tepang.
0: We We are are the Basubis. Welcome
2: Welcome to to our our world.
1: (laughs) Over the last 10 years, we have been involved in the work of mission in various capacities started off as uh, involved in church planting, and then moved on to be involved in training missionaries from all across Southern Africa. It's been such a, a beautiful thing to be able to be part of what God is doing among the nations of the earth. Since May of 2021, we took up a new role in our mission, Africa Inland Mission, to serve as the regional executive officer for the region. In that role, we oversee Africa Inland Mission's work Across countries like Mozambique, Lesotho, Namibia, Angola, Madagascar, and some Indian Ocean islands. In this work, a missionaries do various things, ranging from church planting to theological education, where a few African leaders have been trained in a theological education. We are also involved in transformational development in places like Lesotho, where people are being trained to better use the soil and be able to get the best out of the soil. And through that, transforming the communities through the gospel and the power of the gospel by empowering the lives of these people. Southern Africa is a region of two contrasts. On the one side, we have uh, a large number of unreached people groups. In places like Mozambique, the northern part of Mozambique, there's still many, many people that need to be reached with the gospel. In places like Madagascar, we still have pockets of unreached people groups. In some Indian Ocean Islands, it's almost entirely unreached. And on the one part, we have a thriving, strong, growing evangelical church in many parts of Southern Africa, you look at countries like South Africa, Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe, very strong evangelical churches. Part of our role is to see how we can challenge these churches all across Southern Africa to see the vision to reach the unreached people groups with the gospel. In their own other parts of their country, and they can easily reach them, as compared to people coming from outside. My role as a regional executive officer is to offer vision and strategy, coming into different places and seeing possibilities and various places where we can actually be involved as a mission in making sure that the people are reached with the gospel, and the unreached people groups in Southern Africa continue to be reached with the gospel. And I work alongside our country directors and you know, offering member care, offering pastoral care,
2: So we've been involved in a lot of member care. Uh, We have missionaries in the southern region. Um, Some of them do tend to need medical attention or they come for holidays or they come to pick their kids from school since others have kids boarding the site. And so we use that as an opportunity uh, to minister encouragement to them. And so one part of the things that I'm doing is overseeing the guest house, uh, which is part of our hospitality uh, to encourage the missionaries who are on ground doing church planting
1: and other types of ministries to continue going. And it has been such a great joy to be able to come alongside these hard-working missionaries, encouraging them and ensuring that they are successful in the work that they are doing
2: a day in the life of Queen is basically you'll see my kids around who are honestly seeking my attention. You'll see me maybe at the office, you know, trying to print one or the other thing or trying to draft an email to encourage a missionary or praying with someone who's passing by. And so yeah, that is basically what we're doing here in Kenya. Um, the other thing we're trying to do is to shine the light. Yes, indeed, where we are. And so we've plugged into a church where we're trying to mobilize. We're trying to train in missions and where we're trying to say guys this is your responsibility world missions go for it participate and also try and lead some short-term outreaches
1: our dream over the next five years is to see many more African believers like ourselves coming alongside our teams and reaching out to these unreached people groups with the gospel for us to be able to continue this work we need your support we need prayers of believers like yourself that will go on their knees and continue to pray that as we lead these teams, we lead them somehow in sync with God, that we'll be able to hear the voice of God and be able to lead and direct these people in a manner that is godly, in a manner that enhances the growth of the church in this region. One of the
2: things that happened to a missionary in this journey is that there come times of discouragement. Won't you just pray for us to speak boldly the word of God and to be encouraged always knowing that He is with us.
1: Secondly, we need your financial support. As missionaries, we are supported through the free will gifts of believers and friends and churches like yourselves in order for us to be able to continue to do what we are doing. So, I would like to challenge you to consider giving a financial donation to us as a family. It could be a one-time gift. It could be a monthly ongoing gift to ensure that we continue doing what we are doing. Thank you very much for, for your prayers. Thank you very much for considering to support us financially. Thank you for enabling us to be your feet on the ground as we challenge the African church to go, as we support our missionaries in doing what they are doing, as we offer vision and strategy to our country directors and our teams all across Southern Africa. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us.